Sing it out. This is our destiny. The battle's already won. Make it loud. We're giving everything. By the cross, we have overcome. Hello, and welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. Um, we are currently studying uh, in the letter to the Hebrews, and we've come to chapter 10. Um, we covered quite a bit last time, and we've been covering quite a few uh, large sections prior to now, but here I think we need to slow down just a little bit and take a look at this next section very carefully. And we we definitely have the opportunity to study all of Hebrews in this very uh, microscopic type way. But um, I'd like to get across some of the broad uh, meanings, the big scope type uh, themes that are covered here in Hebrews. I uh, wanted to kind of get that across first so that we have a foundation to understand the importance of some of these other uh, verses that the writer has given us. And I think this is one of those opportunities where we kind of slow down and we kind of take in all the things that have been covered prior to now, uh, starting from verse one all the way through uh, to where we are now in chapter 10, um, Verse chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 10, where we are now. So uh, a lot of very large-scale type themes have been covered. And now I think we should slow down just a little bit. We have come to chapter 10, verse 24. Uh, We saw... The first of the let us uh, verses uh, back in verse 22, where it says, let us draw near with a with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then we saw the next let us in verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he's faithful that promised. So these are some very significant verses. And I thought maybe I should slow down and really take a look at what's being said here. So, um, here we have, um, another verse 24 that continues along the same vein. Um, it's, it's really meant for us to contemplate the things that have been shared with us prior to now and really think about those things in light of these words of instruction. Okay. So that's, uh, that's kind of a little short review of kind of where we are now. And we'll go ahead and, um, get into the lesson before we do. I want to take a look at um, another verse that I think is really important to frame what we're about to learn. All the scripture that we study, all scripture 
is a continuation of itself. Um, there's no isolated scriptures that are like, well, I can take this out because it really doesn't fit into the context of the rest of scripture. That's not possible. The intent and purpose of God using these individuals and selecting these particular uh, words from these individuals was to create um, a cohesive unit that expresses uh, his thought, right? And God's thoughts are so far above ours that it, it takes several people, several words to be brought together in what can only be called a poetic form, right? All the scripture is like, poetry and it's all brought together to express very important thoughts that God wants to communicate to us and the challenge is not for God to communicate to us the challenge is for us to receive that communication that's where the challenge is and God uses his power his grace uh, his son to his spirit to communicate those things to us so in an effort to frame um, what it is that's being taught here, what we're going to be studying, I like to look at another verse. So the verse that we're going to use to frame this study is in Second Second Corinthians, chapter four, verse seven, and that verse says, "But we have this treasure in earthen vessels." that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And the part that I want us to really get here in this verse is it's talking about how that we have this treasure, this very precious thing uh, in earthen vessels. These earthen vessels, that's a kind of a picture of us, our bodies. Uh, we're just like old clay pots. And uh, back in the day, they used to use these old clay pots to hide things that were very valuable because if, if someone came to your home and they were looking for valuables, they wouldn't necessarily look in an old clay pot, right? Because it doesn't look like it's uh, worth much. But inside of that pot was things that they valued the most, their treasure. So uh, the, uh, the verse is alluding to that custom of that time and that's what we are we are the clay pots of god and on the outside we don't look like much you know uh the world does not see a lot to value in us and it's because on the inside god has hidden this treasure and that treasure is what gives us meaning and purpose and it also is what fuels our ministry to others so just kind of keep that in mind as we study uh very good uh, verse second corinthians chapter four verse seven so we'll go ahead and get into our study here and we left off on verse 24 of chapter 10 hebrews chapter 10 starting in verse 24 and it says and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Here's a, a kind of a command, but 
you know, I don't, I don't like to call it a command uh, because the way that it's worded and presented, it's definitely an exhortation. It's definitely instruction, but it, there's a tone to it by, by starting off with let us, it, the tone is that there is some personal responsibility or action upon the person being instructed to do something, right? So we have a role in this, completing this action. Uh, there's a responsibility or an opportunity. I think that's the best word to use. There's an opportunity here that's being presented. And the, um, the writer is saying, you know, this is what we should do. This is, this is our um, reasonable act of service, right? That's what's being said. It's a reasonable response to all the things that we've been told prior to now. So because of the things that we've been told, we need to take an action. Action should be the result of um, revelation. When we something is revealed to us, when God the Holy Spirit reveals things to us through his word, it should result in an action. Okay? So, uh, let us, it says... Let us do what? It says, let us fulfill the ministry that is our reasonable service to Jesus. That's that's what I'm saying it says. That's my um, summation of what's being said here. But there is some specifics that we are to do. It says, let us consider one another. So, I took a look at this word consider, and I told you we're going to take more of a microscopic uh, dissection of this particular scripture, just so that you can see, hopefully, the depth uh, of what's being said in, in these scriptures. Um, he says, let us consider. Now, the word here for consider means to carefully observe. So... We're being told that we need to carefully observe. And I thought about that. What would inspire someone to carefully observe something? You know, that's not our norm. We don't carefully observe things. Um, in fact, there's a lot of things that we do so often, so repetitively, that we do them without thinking. But... Here the writer is telling us that this is something that we have to do very carefully and with a mindset of observance. And it really comes down that when you love something or someone, you notice everything about that thing or that person. Uh, if they're not feeling well physically or emotionally, you observe this. You notice it. And it's not a it's not a difficult thing. It's not any work for you to do so. It's because your observance is motivated by your love. 
And that's what we have here. That's the the spirit behind this careful observation. We have a spiritual connection with each other. The, the scripture says that over and over. You know, we're all one in Christ. We share um, one body, one mind, and it's all in Christ. So we do have this spiritual connection with one another, those who are saved. We should use our spiritual gifts to help each other as we serve in this life. Now, some people are confused about what spiritual gifts are, and I'm looking forward to at some point going into greater detail about what spiritual gifts are, but I'll give this brief kind of summation to kind of quantify spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are revealed in the Bible and are not to be confused with talents. Okay, people have talents. Talents are great to have. We, we, we are entertained by them. We're, uh, we're a lot of times in awe of people's talents and their abilities, and they're great. But those are not spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are gifts given upon whenever somebody is saved, God the Holy Spirit manifests gifts that are used within from that person to encourage, to, to instruct, to motivate, to strengthen the body. Okay? And these are very real gifts that are given that everybody who's saved has at least one. But talents can be enhanced by spiritual gifts. So I think that's where some of the confusion comes from. But, well, like I said, hopefully we'll get to go into greater detail about spiritual gifts. Um, if anybody is interested in that, you can certainly um, let me know um, using the contact information on the uh, podcast. So... Just to give you an example of the importance or an example of uh, spiritual gifts more than the importance. So I have the gift of teaching. So how meaningful is that gift to you right now? Okay. That should give us an idea of the importance, not of the gift, but the importance of identifying in exercising the gift and the aid to minister to the body. So that's just a, just an example of why spiritual gifts are so important. So back to the verse. So we are to consider one another, right? Um, to carefully... Uh, observe one another right and but it's with a goal there's an intent behind it it says and let us consider one another to what end well it says to provoke there was to provoke unto love and good works so let's look at that word provoke what does that word mean so after doing some research that word means to incite Okay, so we should incite one another. We should carefully observe one another 
with the intent to incite or push each other's spiritual buttons. Now, the popular word today that I hear a lot is trigger. You know, you hear that all the time. Oh, that guy triggered me. So we need to identify what triggers other believers, right? And this is very important because this instruction is particular to your ministry, to our ministry, to each other. Now, it's very important for us to minister to the world that we come in contact with. And we have a ministry, whether we recognize it or not, we have a ministry to them. Um, and that's very important. And there's a lot to be said and that's been said in the word about that. But here we see a very particular ministry that we need to have to one another. And we're getting some very specific instruction on how to execute that ministry. And it's very important that we do it correctly and from the right place so that it's received and God receives the glory. So we are to find out what these spiritual buttons, I like to call them, that are in one each other that trigger us, that incite us unto something in particular. And what is that? Well, it says right here, to provoke or incite unto love and good works. Very important that we understand that that is the objective. Well, if we're going to incite someone unto love and good works, that has to come from a place of love and good works. I'm going to repeat that. If you want to incite someone unto love and good works, it has to come from a place of love and good works. To, to exemplify this, um, the best thing I can do is go to the word because the word is the best um, way to understand the word. Uh, let's turn to 2 Peter, the second epistle of Peter. And we're going to go to chapter 3, verse 1. And Peter exemplifies this very behavior that the writer of the Hebrews is um, telling us to do. It says in verse 1, The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So there we see, right, right in the very first verse, he says, he's writing this epistle using an apostolic apostolic <laughs> um, gift, a gift, spiritual gift that the apostles had uh, that was w with them of actually writing scripture, okay? And he's saying, he's writing it with the intent unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and, and Savior. So here we see Peter doing this very thing. He is 
triggering, provoking others unto love and good deeds. Provoke unto love and good works. So let's look at that. What are the what is this love and good works? If we have to start there, if that's where this has to come from, then we need to understand what love and good works are so that we can understand how to be obedient to this particular instruction. So good works could be described as the work that God sees as good, right? Because there's a lot of work that could be done. There's a lot of works that are happening every day, every minute, but only certain works can be done that please God. And that's something I think that clearly is a delineation that has been lost um, in the world we live in. Uh, there's not a lot of people want to talk about the works that please God. Most people want to talk about the works that please themselves. You know, it's like, hey, if it's something that you like, then you should do it. Irregardless of who thinks what. I mean, that's you. It's your body. You know, you should be happy. Life is short. Get all you can. Unfortunately, God does not see that way. Uh, he does not see it that way. And um, we are here as believers not to obey or follow the world, but to obey and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to honor and glorify not ourselves, not our flesh, not our desires, but we are to honor God. And that is pure, that's clean, that's holy, and it's right. And that's the place that we want to be so that we can minister and provoke other believers unto those same things, unto love and good works. The reason why this is important to us is because we know the love of Christ. He has manifested that love unto us. And we, in turn, desire to manifest love unto him and glorify him with our lives, which is our reasonable uh, service of worship. Okay? So, it's important for us to understand, to provoke others unto love and good works must come from a place, we must be in a place of love doing good works. And if all of us are unified in this, we will be provoking one another unto love and good works. And it becomes cyclical and it's very powerful. And our testimonies will speak to that. And great things happen when we do this. Great things are accomplished in the lives of regular people when this is done. 
And the writer is going to share some of those things with us as we progress. So it's very important for us to understand that love is a unique characteristic of good works. They go together like space and time. Love and good works go together. If love is not present, then the work cannot be pleasing to God. It's just that simple. Love is very important to your ability, our ability to manifest good works. In fact, if you cannot see the love in the work, then you should question whether the work is good, whether the work is valid. The love of Christ Jesus is the very first gift of faith given to us in salvation. The very first gift is love. That love grows in us as we walk with him in our lives. That's what we call maturation. And this book, this Hebrews letter book, that's what it's about. Maturation. About growing. About living your life and walking in a way to where you have a goal. You have an objective. Just like the objective here is to provoke other believers unto love and good works. We have objectives in this life. And there is a progression towards something. And if we're not moving forward, we're moving backwards. There is no stagnant state here. You have to either move forward or you're moving backwards. So let's press on. That's what Paul said. To the high calling. Let's press on. So let's look at some facts here. A little quick review of some facts. Fact number one, we are to incite one another to love and good works. And we can be incited by other believers to love and good works. But this is a ministry, an opportunity solely given to other believers. This is only, only those who are saved have this privilege and opportunity to be able to incite to love and good works. Okay? Very important that we understand that privilege that we have to minister to others and to know where that ministry comes from. So, it's very important. Uh, believers have two natures. This is described in detail in Romans. We have the old man, the unpure mind, and we have the new man, spiritual, love, purity, 
capable of good works by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. We have these two natures in us, the one that we're born with and then the spirit, the nature that we're given in the new birth. Okay, very important. We access and grow the new man by studying the word of God. It's very important. That's where our growth and strength comes from. Okay, very important. So we need to understand that having these two natures, we need to feed the new man. We need to feed that new nature. Here it's described as, well, actually in um, Peter, he described it as our pure minds, stirring up our pure minds by way of remembrance. So simply by remembering the word of God, remembering the things that the Lord has told us, has taught us, can stir up the purity in us. So we need that. We need to encourage and remind one another of who we are, where we're going, and who we serve. That is the key. And that will incite another believer, I guarantee you, to love and good deeds. That's how it's done. And like I said, we access this, this power by the word of God. So it's really important that we study and we stay in the word and we stay close to the Lord through his word. Um, it's a few things about the word that I think are significant here at this point that maybe we should uh, take a look at. Uh, and again, we're going to go to Romans. Let's take a look here. So the, the importance here, a, a very important thing that Peter mentioned was stirring up our pure minds by way of remembering. In Romans 15, 4, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we may have hope. And that verse continues on and it points out some very important things or results that come from um, the study of the word and how that basically the Lord Jesus has chosen certain events in people's lives to be recorded with the intent or purpose that we now in the age we live in will be instructed and encouraged and built up in faith. So very purposeful. Nothing in the Bible is by accident. It was all put there uh, by the Lord for us in a very purposeful, beautifully written, uh, cohesive manner. So it's specifically recorded for us. Uh, the result of studying his word is going to give you hope and patience 
and a unity. It gives us a unity in Christ. It brings us together. It unifies us in hope and in patience because those are things that fruit of the spirit that we need that are manifested from studying the word. And it also makes us to be like-minded and one-minded. And for us to be able to accomplish love and good works, we must be like-minded. We must have a unified understanding of who the Lord Jesus is. And in, in that, it brings us together. It bonds our hearts in peace, right? That's his love working in our lives. Very important things to, to understand about the word of God and the purpose of the things that God has given us in his word. So we should, back to Hebrews, we should incite uh, one another in love. And if we do that, it will lead to these good works. And we're going to go in chapter 11. When we get to Hebrews 11, we're going to talk about some of these good works, specifically what these good works are. And we'll go into a lot of detail at that time. Verse 25. So more instruction. So let us consider one another, provoke unto love and good works in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much more as ye see the day approaching. So here's some very timely, important instruction. So first we got the positive, let us do this in verse 24. And now we get the negative and he starts off with the negative, not doing this. 24, this is what you should do. 25, this is what you should not do. Um, so what is it that we should not do? We should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now, I know there's some people out there that are going to say, well, that's really difficult in the time that we live in now. There's a pandemic going on and everybody's getting sick and, you know, we're encouraged not to assemble in, in groups. And yes, that's true. But we also live in a time where we have technology. We have technology that allows us to share and come together in a safe manner. And I believe the Lord knew that uh, that's what we we're going to need. And he has definitely provided for that. So there is really no reason why we cannot uh, assemble, even in a, the times that we live in right now. The key to what this verse is saying is saying that we should not forsake the gifts, utilizing the gifts, benefiting from the gifts of one another. We must stay connected. And if it's just you and one other person, you're assembling. That's an assembly. 
the key here is not in the numbers. We get so caught up in numbers. Oh, well, there has to be so many. No. Just you and one other person, you've assembled. And you too can incite one another. It's very important to keep that in mind. That it's not about the number of people that you minister to. It's the quality of the ministry that you provide. I'll say it again. It's not about the number of people that you minister to. It's the quality of the ministry. And that goes both ways. So it's important for us to always have the mindset to make ourselves available and to seek out opportunities to minister to one another. That's what is being said here. Our desire to be connected and the fellowship with other believers should always be nurtured. We need each other. We need to talk. We need to share our gifts. And we need to do this in a safe way. It's just that simple. Now, before the pandemic came, I've studied this verse 25 before. And it's interesting how that the word of God is living. And there's no situation or circumstance that we can find ourselves in that the word of God does not hold true. And that's where it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as is the manner of some or as the manner of some is. So this is important here. It's very important to see what's being said. There will be some who for various reasons separate themselves. God knows who they are and why they're doing it. But this should never be the norm. So if you notice that this is happening, you should take note of that. And prayerfully, go to the Lord and ask for guidance as to how you are to respond. Because it may be upon you to go and correct that. To encourage and put that person back on the path of fellowship but you're to take heed to yourself to make sure that you're not overcome by that as well so it's very important that you go to the Lord and prayerfully uh, seek guidance as to whether or not it's you or if you're that's something that he wants you to do and to give you grace and strength so that you can minister love in this good work Very important. For those who are out working on an oil rig in the middle of the ocean or people that are shut in for whatever reason, the Lord is going to provide for you. He's going to provide for us to have what we need. Um, If it's just you alone in the Lord Jesus, if This message is going to someone who feels that they are in that situation or they find themselves in that situation, then you should rejoice because you are in the best place or position you could possibly be in. Okay? Because we as believers are never alone, we always have. 
the Lord Jesus. He's always with us. And he will get his, his truth. He will get his, his word. He will minister his love and his grace to us and overcome any obstacle because there is no obstacles for him. And he won't allow anything to separate him, his love, and you or us. That's something that we have. Verse 26. I'm sorry, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, let's complete verse 25. Um, so, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Now, here is the contrast to the negative. For he says, now, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves, as is the manner of some. Don't do that. But the positive side is, but what you should be doing is exhorting one another uh, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So what does it mean to exhort one another? Exhort to exhort comes from a word uh, that where we get the word parallel from it means to run alongside. And it's kind of a picture. You see a guy in a race, long distance race, and he's running and he's getting tired. He's been running for a while and his body is like, I can't do this anymore. I just want to stop running. But the goal is just ahead. You run 90% of the race and now you want to give out. And the picture is that somebody runs alongside and cheers. It says, don't stop. Keep going. You can do it. I promise you'll make it. This is what exhortation is. And this is a spiritual gift. One of the spiritual gifts that people have. To be able to encourage someone who is faltering in the race. Or they may be running well. And strong, they still need that encouragement. We need someone to cheer us on, to remind us there's that remembrance. Stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance to continue in the race. And it says, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So we need this exhortation. We need to be exhorting one another to love and good deeds. And it says, even more so as you see the day approaching. So what is this day that's being talked about? Well, it's the day of the Lord. It's the second coming. When he comes back to establish his kingdom on this earth. Um we can know when that day is. Now, can we know the exact day, time, or? No, no. But there are signs that have been given. There's, there's scripture that we can study that makes us to understand the times that we live in, right? The ages that 
of revelation from the Lord Jesus. So the day is approaching and we are able to see it. It says, as you see the day approaching, so we can determine when that day is, that that day is approaching. Uh, we have the information in the revelation to see uh, the coming of the day of the Lord. A careful study of books like Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, they reveal that we are fast approaching the great and terrible day of the Lord. And the more I study these books, the more amazed I am at um, how clear it is. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that are preaching doomsday, you know, oh, everything's going to go, it's doomsday, it's coming. No, no. It's very logical. It makes sense. This is not something that's, you know, uh, intended to scare you. It actually comforts you to know that the things that are happening that to us seem like what is going on actually are supposed to happen. And when you know that and when you see that, it comforts you to know that God is in control. And that even though that the world seems like it's going nuts and out of control, it's really not. That there's a very logical, purposeful plan that's being worked out. And we are a part of that. And as we learn these things, we are to encourage one another and exhort one another that it's going to be okay. That the Lord Jesus is in control that he is present with us and we are present with him. What a great comfort that is. But the day of the Lord is coming and it will be um, a great and terrible manifestation. Uh, you have, just to give you a little synopsis, the next prophesied event that is going to happen is the rapture, the rapture of the church. Immediately following the rapture of the church, removal of all the believers that are alive at that time, will, it will start the Great Tribulation period. And that will be the end of the time of the Gentiles and the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. And they will follow seven years of um, the wrath of God being poured out upon the earth. And at the end of that seven-year period, the Lord Jesus will appear to set everything right. He will come back to this earth, and Satan will be bound, and uh, the Lord will rule upon this earth. And it will be a beautiful, wonderful existence with his reign on the earth for a thousand years. At the end of that thousand year period, Satan will be let loose. There will be a rebellion, a very small rebellion. And then we will enter into what's called the rebellion will be put down by the word of God. And then we will enter into what's called the eternal state. 
God will make a new heaven and a new earth. Even heaven is going to be made new. And heaven and a new earth will be undefiled, pure, and beautiful. Just like our Savior. Um, new Jerusalem will be um, part of that existence, that eternal state. What happens beyond there? Scripture doesn't tell us. But at that point, we are all in Christ in our eternal state. So whatever happens after there, it can only be good and get better. So I'm content with that. And this is how we are to encourage one another. That we have a wonderful future in Christ. That we have a wonderful future in Christ. And we have him now to enjoy. And to, we can serve him by um, inciting one another unto love and good deeds. And ministering to one another as well as to all those around us, when they see our joy and our confidence, if they ask us why we're confident, why we don't, we're not freaking out, we can tell them because of who, whom we have to do uh, with the Lord Jesus. We know him and we know his will, his word, and his purpose. And we can minister to those people. And maybe some of those people may be the elect of God. So um, the, this is the instruction that we have here from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. I'm going to stop here um, and take up the next uh, lesson in verse 26. But uh, prayerfully, you have been encouraged, instructed, and enjoyed this lesson. Uh, ask that you would pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to all keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus as we walk. Let's close in prayer. It's in Jesus' name, Father, we come before you asking that uh, our prayers would be acceptable. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us and how that you've given us your word, how that you've given us very specific instruction that encourages us and builds us up. We pray, Father, that our work would be good in your sight and that you would be glorified in all the things that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.